Hey, yo, Jeff. What's happening, Jeff? Things are good, bro. Just getting ready to record another episode. You got it. It's the Evolving Dads Podcast. Coming to you straight out of Montreal. Where we help fellow dads figure out fatherhood a little better. And meet some amazing guests along the way. All right, let's do this. Okay, folks, we got another rock and roller here, but this guy is a uh, huge get for us. He's, a, I think, a five-time Juno winner. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere All right. around there. I'm sure you're not counting them, but uh, he's too humble to do that. But Well, I count them. I know them okay. for sure. I not anymore. Them. He's like, not counting anymore. Uh, his name, his name is Sam Roberts, and Sam is the front man for the Sam Roberts Band, which is a very familiar band to many Canadians, and uh, he's also a dad, and we're very happy to have him here. So, Sam, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for being here. Um, Sam, how did your journey start in music? Uh, well, my journey started with my own parents, as it often does. You sort of, uh, you know, you come into the world and you, I, it's not that I didn't know that music existed. I just didn't know that you had to learn an instrument and practice it every day in order to play it. So it's up to your parents to sort of inform that part of your childhood or guide it. And uh, And my parents at the time... They moved to Canada from South Africa in the 1970s, and I was born a few, literally a couple of weeks later. And they were studying for their Canadian citizenship. This is now a few years later. They were studying to take their Canadian citizenship um, uh, test. I guess you have to write a test, and one of the tests, one of one of the components is knowing how to sing "O Canada." Uh, <laughs> you know, Not like uh, who is Gordon so, Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that was question okay. three, I think. <laughs> but, uh, they so I chose the violin. Um, I got a few. I still play. They're they're back on the wall over there. But so I didn't realize at the time. But I, I started playing the violin at about age four and taking lessons and learning how to play this. I was kind of just learning by ear how to play "O Canada." Uh, on my little squeaky violin, and that was that was the, my first sort of memory of actually taking up an instrument and and playing. Oh, wow. and I, had, I had no inclination or or notion at the time, to, you know, to make it this sort of lifelong pursuit and, well, to, and journey. To but, be fair, you were just four years old. <laughs> I know, but you think you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure Mozart knew what was happening. <laughs> okay. before, yeah, know? it's just. So yeah, I was just as into house league soccer at the time. So it's 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 pretty interesting because one of my good friend um, in Ottawa is uh, plays for the orchestra in Ottawa, and he he's a violinist, mm -hmm. and he always told me that it's pretty hard to start violin. So at four years old to start violin, how how do you, how do you choose that instrument? Yeah, I didn't. I chose it. I I I probably regretted it for the next you know. Uh, 15 years or so uh i still play i still take lessons uh with the same teacher who started teaching me when i was What? that age he's uh, yeah so and now my my daughters play as well and it's kind of come full circle and now i'm sort of playing the dual role as a uh, student but also parent and therefore enforcer uh at the same time but uh yeah i mean these are the things like you're saying jeff when you when you you don't realize what you're doing when you're four years old um But yet those decisions that you make can shape your entire world. And, uh, and that, in, in, in my case, it, it did. That's awesome. Did you, um, 
ever make a, or was there a point maybe in your teens where you made a definitive commitment to being in a band full time or was it an organic thing? Yeah, I think, you know, the, you, you, you've raised a very, you you've sort of pinpointed a very important distinction, teens and the way teens, you know, view the world. And I didn't stop playing. I wasn't allowed. My parents were really strict about me practicing every single day. My teacher was really strict. He was really old school. Uh, Russian stu- studied at the sort of Soviet conservatories and talked a lot about cold soup and hard bread uh, <laughs> and being beating the essential tools to becoming a violinist, you know. And But my parents in, from, from on, the, on the home side, they were relentless as sort of, you know, enforcing the discipline and the structure and the routine. And even as a teenager, I wasn't allowed sort of off the hook, so to speak. Mm. But I did, you know, hormonally, I was pushed towards playing rock and roll uh, at about, you know, I guess about the age 11 or 12, I started picking up the guitar. Ch- chicks are not into and, the violin so much. Exactly. Not at the time, but today, man, violin is, no, it's no, the, no. the violin is the thing. And by man. the way, just to clarify for... Both worlds now, you know. But yeah, uh, to clarify for listeners, for sure. I got to clarify the the my use of the word chicks was only in a historical context, as we might have referred to them back then. Uh, today, I would say females. Good That's point. Right. Thank you. That's Please right. carry on. Yeah, we are we are dragging ourselves out of the out of the Stone Age one, you know, one word at a time. But we'll get there. And hey, we're, sure. evolving. Yeah. Evolving, we're right? evolving, evolving, right? Evolving, listening. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was the thing. I think uh, there's just something about rock and roll that spoke to me as a as a teenager, an early teen, and uh, you know whether it was that the music was speaking to your experience all of a sudden, or reflecting the way you, the way you felt, the way you lived, the way you thought about the world. There was also something musically, you know, that had nothing to do with what they were saying. It was just something about the kind of driving rhythm and and and. Yeah, the the beat behind the whole thing that kind of pulled me in. So I spent a great deal of time up in my bedroom, which I was going to do anyway as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might as well make some use of the time. Yeah. And yeah, I started playing guitar and learning Beatles songs. And uh, and that was kind of, I guess, the beginning of the you know where the band that came from. I was going to say, is it the uh, who were the uh, the people that really grabbed you? At that point, it was the Beatles to start off. Yeah, it was my my dad had a really cool record collection. He still does, although I've stolen a lot of it. And now, <laughs> I, I just think like if you just take one record at a time, they tend not to yeah. notice until it's like oh, you're all on. together. Christmas, and he's like, "Where's that Bob? Where's Where's Bob Dylan Desire?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know. I think it got <laughs> that to me ten years ago." But uh, so I would just uh, listen to my dad's records with uh, you know one of those old wood panel record players and with giant headphones on and I would just sit sit there and, and absorb all the music. So it was yeah, lots of Bob Dylan and but he was also into Pink Floyd and Hawkwind, like this kind of strange psychedelic uh, rock and roll from from the UK in the early seventies and the Beatles and Paul Simon, the Kinks. Uh, and then I you know, I still listened uh, without being forced to I listened to a lot of classical music and you know, I kind of see those two, uh, you know, related as, as, yeah. the, as the sort of musical underpinning it, of uh, it's weird where, where we it's were. Weird, weird where that comes from. My my oldest daughter, she's eight now, and she's 
uh, way more into classical music than I am. <laughs> like no one's pushing it on her. Yeah, she hears it and she's like, oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Okay. Cool. That's that's great. I love you know. I, I love. I've become sort of uh, uh, a real champion of of classical music, especially for uh, for young people. Mm. Uh, just making sure that they just know that it's out there and how 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 it can you know change you in so many ways. And also to go and watch performances. Watch. It's not just about going and seeing rock and roll bands and sweaty clubs, you know, go and watch your local chamber orchestra or symphony orchestra. If you ever have the chance and absolutely people come out of that. And it's, it's a pretty life changing experience. I, fa- I found that, um, I found that, um, classical music can make you feel all types, all the, the entire spectrum of emotions. That's why, that's why yeah. I love about it. And, uh, that's, it's the go-to music whenever I want them to feel calm or whenever I want them to have a certain of, uh, uh, um, musical experience. That's not all about classical. Yeah, no, it's it, for sure. I mean, again, as as open minded and well rounded as you can be. Absolutely. Uh, were you mentioned that your parents were very strict and very uh, structural, very strong in structure? Were your parents supportive from day one, or was it very the stereotypical? Uh, I wish my son was uh, was a doctor kind of thing. No, they were they were they were very supportive, uh, but. Not in this sort of just like laissez-faire, do whatever you want kind of way. Mm. Uh, like I said, there, was all, there were always boundaries. There were always uh, lines that weren't to be crossed. And I, I think in terms of music, it, you know, now as a parent, the thought of allowing my kids to sort of embark on that that journey, that you know, <laughs> terrifying and mysterious and you know, incredibly uncertain path. Um, it would scare the the daylights out of me, you know, but my parents, they, I don't know, my, my dad, like I get in my dad's car and he'd, he'd have one of my demo cassettes in his tape deck. Mm. And as somebody, again, whose record collection I've, I've pilfered over the years and also kind of grew up, grew up listening to, I took that as a, not just necessarily as a compliment, but as a sign that I was doing something yep. good or, you know, maybe the start of something good or something that might become good and he saw that you know he saw that there was something there and so there was definitely a lot of um of support and curiosity about what we were doing and where we you know but it was never a conversation about oh this is going to become your the way you make a living this is going to be how you raise a family down the line this is going to be how you put a roof over your head uh we never really talked about the sort of mechanics of a career in music uh it that that part of it you know as as i got a little older as i got out of university that's when i think i don't want to say panic set in but i'd say that's when the concern was more visible (laughs) on the faces of my parents and the people who you know people who cared about me and and i think they had to be they must have been stressed out from i'd say when i was about 23 to 26 uh, where I should have, at that point, I suppose, just said, okay, I'm going to keep this in the hobby realm uh, and go on and, and sort of follow a more traditional path in terms of a working life. But I, for whatever reason, clung to the the dream, for lack of a better yeah. term. And then finally something happened. So I think it was a pretty visible and audible, well, audible collective sigh of relief when we signed our first record deal and, and, you know, 
That's awesome. Well, the uh, it's funny when you look at your the only way that you were parented. You said your parents, even if you were going into rock and roll, they they made sure that you were not screwing around with it, right? They made sure you had structure. And uh, one thing I talk about with my dad uh, when he was still with us is that he didn't. Uh, I think I was the youngest kid out of four, and he he didn't have a lot of time or energy to mentor, really, right? So he kind of just let me do my thing. And luckily, I met some of the right people and had good friends and and that kind of thing. But I'm seeing now I'm doing the opposite. I'm making sure that my girls are going to apply themselves to soccer or apply themselves to art. Like my kids in art camp today, and I'm going to take a much more hands-on role. Um, I'm assuming you're going to do kind of the same thing for your kids. Well, you know, you know, and now the shoe's on the other foot and, and you realize that it's not all um, sort of black and white mm. when it comes to uh, setting up that, that sort of, uh, that dynamic between you and your kids and also sort of uh, the enforcing or of, of the, you know, or the instilling of the sort of ideals of discipline and practice and all those things. Uh, and I find it's one of the more complicated parts of parenting. I have three kids. I have two girls now who are in their teens and, and uh, my son is 10. And I guess, like I mentioned at the beginning, the girls play violin, which which is great because I was familiar with the instrument, but it also sets up this sort of, um, it puts you in a position where you're not just the, the parent anymore. You're also kind of the teacher and you're critiquing where you should just be listening or supporting. And, and I find that when it comes to places where our paths intersect like that, that I, I've had to learn over the years to just sort of take a step yeah. back and not be uh, this sort of professional you know, lifelong musician. I now have to just sort of be a dad who said, Oh yeah, that sounds great. No matter what. Right. And I can't say I did that particularly well at the beginning because I I wasn't sure. Yeah. I just didn't know what my parents didn't play music. So, but they were strict. So I figured, well, I have to be strict and I play music. So then I have to sort of tell them where they've stepped out of line and that that's going to help point them in the right, right direction. And all I ended up doing was, you know, possibly damaging their love for the instrument and music itself <laughs> and our relationship. Uh, you know, and, and I realized it took me a while to sort of realize that, no, that what I really have to do is just sort of uh, sit back, let the teacher be the teacher and I've got to be their dad, which is to say, wow, you sounded great today. And uh, yeah. And it's the same thing with, you know, your kid playing sports at the, you know, going to, going to soccer. It's like, if your kid's talented, how, how much do you push them? Do you push yeah. them so that they don't squander that talent? Or do you just let their love for the game sort of dictate how much or how little they play? Mm-hmm. Um, is there some, somewhere in between those two things that you, and I, you know, there's no manual for any of this. And, and I find myself looking to other parents um, for, an example or advice or guidance uh, relying on my own instincts, which again are fallible and can be very wrong at times, you know, but uh, yeah, there's no, there's no book for that. What to do. Just, That's why I'm here guys. I'm here. For answers, man. We'll just sit back. We'll teach you everything. <laughs> we'll teach you everything. We're, we're the Zen masters, but oh, I, I found it very powerful what you say. Um, and, and it must be very hard, you know, like as a musician, or when you're like I was very strong into into sports and my my kids are still very young 
but I'm I'm already struggling to understand on when am I going to push them to understand to say okay I see the potential I know I and I coach so imagine like mm -hmm. I see the potential I know exactly where what's the work needs to be done to be good or to get to the next level but when do you say when do you accept to push or when do you accept to say hey let's step, take a step back or when do you say yeah well you don't obviously say it but maybe it's not for you maybe you should try violin yeah <laughs> exactly violin makes every everything else seem easy for sure you so, uh, yeah no i think you're that's exactly right and uh and again i, I do feel like you kind of have to learn through like all things you learn through making the wrong decisions about these things a lot of the time uh that being said i don't subscribe to the idea of just sort of you know oh just do it if you feel like doing it you know i don't think uh i think a, a lot of kids or a lot of people regret the fact that their parents didn't push them, you know, in music or in sports later on in life. And, you know, and, uh, and we all know that now through our own experiences. And so you have to, you know, you've also, you've also got that in the back of your mind and you have to kind of listen to that voice too. say like, yeah, people can be kids, kids and people in general can be lazy. They don't want to go practice. They don't want to, they want to just sit on the couch and watch TV. Well, sometimes you just got to go and yeah. do it. And, you're going to have to be the person who steps in and says, no, we're going, we signed up for this. You yeah. start, you know, the old classic line, you started <laughs> it, you're going to finish it, you know, uh, man, I'm a, I'm like a walking cliche of, of dad sayings oh, these man. days. But, you know. I, just said the, I just said the other day, this is not a hotel. And I, <laughs> oh, already? I looked at myself thinking, oh man, that's all over. That's all over. <laughs> so Sam, you, um, You 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 said you had three kids. How old how old are, or how old are the kids? Fourteen, twelve, and ten. So they they saw Sam as a dad, but they also saw the the rock star, the the the, the led the Canadian legend. So how was it? How epic was it uh, as a family man as a to mix everything up? Now, I mean, we if we start from the present and work backwards, it's like we can re we'll retrace the journey because it's very different now than what it was like at the beginning, I would say, uh, as part of a, you know, full disclosure, all honesty, the arc of your career. I mean, you know, we, hopefully it starts like this and you want it to keep going. Yeah. But, you know, there's also the rounding off and sometimes the sort <laughs> of the gent hopefully gentle slope on the other side, you know, and uh, not to say that the ambition isn't still burning as hot and you know, white hot as it ever has, but uh, certainly in terms of like what our family life is like now, I, I don't, I don't know if it crosses their mind uh, once a month, even uh, that that's what I do. Um, and certainly we don't live in a way that it's sort of in your face in any way. Uh, we're not surrounded by people who make a big deal out of it. That's for sure. Um, Maybe at the beginning of school, like when they first walked into kindergarten, and yeah. maybe one of the parents, you know, recognized me or something like that, and it was like, "Oh, your your dad does this. Your dad's, uh, you know, di different. I don't know what you want to call it. Like walks a different path, right, a different right. stream of dad, you know. Um, but certainly for them, I'm just as annoying as any other dad would be to their <laughs> kids, you know. And, and they don't even like my music. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, like they don't. There's the who's this and I'll be like that's me your father and I'll bring up the room you know, no you know this song puts a roof over your head you know just just get a get one of your tracks on the back of a of a TikTok video and you're good again 
man, I need some, I need some kid cred right now. So like it's, uh, but you know, at the beginning, you know, we've settled into this, like we've learned how to do this as a family, but at the beginning was the, was the much, t- you know, when I, when we first had kids, a lot of my musician friends were like, oh, man, you know, they were saying, oh, you're brave. But what they really meant is you're, you're nuts, man, because it's like, how could you possibly have these two kinds of lives, uh, you know, work in conjunction yeah. without ripping the one ripping the other one apart basically because a life in music takes all of your uh your energy your you have to you have to think you you think about it all the time it's obsessive right you know, you know? uh and it, i feel like it requires a level of obsession in order to a like kickstart it but then to you know, to keep it going and to build it and to grow it and to stay connected to your kind of creative source and, you know, like live with your eyes wide open enough to pull in new music and uh, perform with the the energy and passion that it takes to sort of, you know, keep, again, build a career. It doesn't leave much room for anything else. And just as a family doesn't, if you throw yourself into being a father or a mother, you, you know, that can take up all of your time, all of your energy, all of your love, all of your passion. Um, and so how do you, how do you then make these two things that need everything work together? And I think that was obviously the enormous challenge, uh, at the beginning and what, how we, how, uh, how I personally sort of dealt with that, um, yeah, almost like split personality it was mm-hmm. to say when I was on tour, I I gave everything to it so that because I knew that the people at home were paying a price for me being yeah. out there. So it refocused my 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 energy when I was on tour. I never took a show for granted. I never, you know, could be anything from a radio interview in the morning to meeting fans to anything. It was just like it just refocused my sense of kind of purpose around the whole thing. So I find that my work ended up benefiting from it that way. And then when I came home, instead of sitting there wondering about, you know, replaying all the shows that I just played or wondering about the next tour, I just shut it off completely. Mm -hmm. And I took advantage of the fact that when I'm home, I'm home from morning till night. I can go, I can take the kids to school. I can pick them up. I can take them to sports. I can, I'm there for every dinner. I'm there too Mm -hmm. much. So they're like, dad, are you... (laughs) Don't you have to take off anytime? Don't, don't like, you have a job? Exactly. Yeah. I lined yeah. up a gig for you, Dad. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just to get me out of the house. So, so it ended up, you know, it, it ended up not just being possible, but ended up being a, a sort of, you know, almost like new symbiotic relationship between the two things that, that yeah, was a healthy thing and, and it ended up working. Yeah, you have to get, uh, you have to grow that, that callous in a way though, right? I, I've, uh, I've been away from my kids for three weeks maximum, I think. And I felt like I was missing a limb. Like the first few days are great. Wow. I can just, uh, eat cereal and watch violent movies and, uh, you know, <laughs> do whatever. And then by day three, I'm like, man, this sucks. This is, <laughs> I'm missing, uh, <laughs> missing my arms and my legs in a way. And, uh, we had a Russian hockey player from the KHL, uh, Ilya Izhov. He's, uh, he was on an episode five and he said that, because he would be playing in Moscow, but he lives in Montreal. Uh, 
his bandmates, or in case in in his case, his teammates, became like a surrogate family. Uh, he became very close to his teammates, and they supported him during these kind of tougher times where he was so far and so disconnected from his own kids. Can you relate to that as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's where you, you don't really realize in high school when you're studying a band that you're going to need these people for so many things, mm-hmm. like along your your journey. And and that's in my case. I think we always had this instinct that it was better to surround yourself with people that you liked spending your time mm. with rather than who was the best guitar player uh, <laughs> or the best drummer. And that's always informed sort of, uh, yeah, who plays in the band. And because of that, we've all stuck together literally since the wow. beginning. And, and uh, so when it comes time to, you know, our, our keyboard player has just had his second child and, so he's going into this uh, this sort of turmoil and uh, and chaos of all of a sudden you have two kids and you got to, and and just as COVID is starting to uh, ease up and we're starting to play shows again, which we've all been kind of chomping at the bit to get out there and start playing again. He's now, you know, trying to juggle these two two things again, and for sure it helps to have people who have lived through it and who care about you uh, and who care about care about the band and when i say about the band i mean like the the mission like the the um that you're all super invested yeah. uh, in every way physically emotionally in this pursuit uh so you all sort of take care of it and you take care of each other by extension i got it that sounds a good answer and that's sort of what he and in, in a roundabout way that's what he said he said uh, when especially when he had expats on the on the road with him on the team for the year, they could bond right away and became family number one. Mm-hmm. I will just jump in and say that to anybody listening, uh, I just had my second Moderna shot yesterday and I feel like a bag of dirt. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm apologizing for a, a very tired voice and whatever else, but you guys are helping me out here. So thank you. Don't worry about it, man. The magic of pus production. Okay. <laughs> I'll make it sound like you've off, I don't know what, oh, gosh. after a concert. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. So, You're doing great. You're doing uh, great. Sam, you, um, your music has either been pretty directly or somewhat indirectly delivered with a bit of a social consciousness behind it. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I think, I wouldn't say across the right. board. Sometimes it's just pure fun. And, yeah. Is there anything in particular that you feel that is needing to come out of your musical brain these days from a uh, social standpoint? Yeah, I mean, uh, if, I, if I look at the last, I mean, the, the records in a way have been a reflection, and, and this isn't particular to myself or, or you know, any song. It, it, I think it applies to a lot of songs. You, you sort of write about what you're living through, write about, you know, what's important to you at the time. If I look back a few records, having young kids, it was about, I was preoccupied with, you know, one record would be like, okay, well, what world are we living in? What world have I just brought kids in? And how are we going to make this make sense? And then it's like, what's the world going to be like? Mm-hmm. If you take, I take myself out of it and then sort of a, a projection to the future, of uh, the world that they're going to be living in. And uh, so without sort of going and trying to sort of be topical or tackle uh, current issues, you sort of write from a, like, what are your preoccupations? And a lot of time, you know, music is music writing as therapy. You sort of, yeah, you write about what you're concerned about. And from, from myself, that's really revolved a lot about, you know, uh, 
you know, the kind of planet that my, our kids are going to inherit from us when we're, you know, when we're finally ready to give it up. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, certainly, and then our last record uh, was written during the sort of, uh, in the midst of the, the Trump era in, in the U.S., and it just felt like it wasn't just about, you know, American politics, but it was just, it just felt like the world was like redlining on so many fronts, whether the environmental front, it was like the rise of, uh, you know, sort of right wing nationalism and all these things that we thought, we always feel like we're moving past these base, uh, you know, ideas, yeah. these base thoughts. And yet they just, they're still in there and they keep, they're, they're, they're clearly just festering, waiting for a chance to, to reemerge. And I found that very, I, I find it uh, disheartening and I find it very frustrating, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that when you think, just when you think that we're all, we've all grown up a little bit as human beings, mm-hmm. uh, no, it comes back, uh, it comes back again. And it felt like for, for a few years that, Every, every, you know, regardless of where you looked, that those sort of base human instincts were governing everything that happened around us. And I think that the last record that, that I made anyways is sort of, uh, oh, yeah, a hopeful response to that, you know? It's like, where do you, what, do you wallow in it? Do you just sort of, you know, lie down in the muck? And I think you need to do that to a point, but then you have, you pull yourself out of it. And I think that that, that last record, just when we thought things couldn't get worse anyway, COVID hit. Yeah, so it was like, I know, right? <laughs> it's like, seriously? <laughs> it was literally like, you know, uh, it, it was the most unbelievable thing because we were already feeling this sort of sense of impending doom and calamity in January of 2020, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, what happened in March. Mm-hmm. That kind of just like literally just, nuked the whole playing field you know but uh so you know going forward now and out of the out of the kind of ashes of that um you know i don't know that that low point seems to be this budding uh you know rejuvenation in, in, in like people finding their voices people finding the strength to, to speak up about these things, to confront it, to, you know, it's, it's scary when you're in a place when everybody's sort of moving towards that. It's like, why Nazi Germany happened? Why it's like, people don't want to talk. You're afraid. You're afraid to speak against up against, you know, th- these, um, hard, hard people, yeah. uh, and hard stances, you know, on life. And it, it takes, it takes being brought really, really low sometimes to, to, to find your voice. And it feels now it's like there's this sort of rush towards conversation, at least recognition, uh, that things need to be made a lot better than they have been in the past. So I'm assuming, I'm hoping anyway, that I find some kind of, you know, music in that too, just to reflect to reflect the day, to reflect the times. Right, so you sound a bit more optimistic than I am on that front. I think uh, on both sides, people really enjoy wallowing in the muck longer than they should, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you probably see everything like I do or like Jeff Andy does through the prism of your kids, right? I mean, I, what, how, what kind of society do I want them to grow up in? And there's people on both sides, or I say both, but there's 12 sides, but people are so determined to just wallow in it and to to hammer 
the past and you know yes you have to acknowledge things and and, and that kind of thing but wallowing gets us nowhere uh it just it keeps the kids i don't know i i think about it a lot with regards to my girls and can we just move forward and i don't know see people as individuals yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's a hard balance to strike you know yeah, that's a tough of, one how far how long how long do you how how intensely do you need to gaze at something in order to really fully realize the, the truth of it you know and i think that sometimes you have to look more uncomfortably for or, or, an uncomfortably long time in order to see it properly and and to uh because otherwise we will find ourselves right back in the same place again so maybe it's better to take the time now so that in the future we've actually actually sort of shed some light on it and uh but that being said you know that's going counter to i think the way a lot of humans just you know that, that instinct to just like okay let's go let's get on with it let's move let's move forward i think that exists in everybody but you know, in this case, I think for our kids' benefits, for sure, that maybe patience, mm. a little bit of extra patience, a little bit of extra sort of tolerance when it comes to keeping these conversations going um, past what we would otherwise perceive to be their sort of natural expiry day. Yeah. Just keep, keep it going till it's really, really out there, until it's, you know an undeniable part of the, the tapestry. And then perhaps, again, it, our kids will benefit from that. Uh, so, nice. uh, I, th- I th- and and Jeff, I know Jeff is a uh, is a uh, very uh, he he worries he worries a lot, and for the right reason, I think, and and I too. But at the same time, I I strongly believe that we are as much as a there's been there's been a lot of cloudness of or overflow of. Uh, <sighs> don't want to say it but i'm gonna say it cancel can the, the cancel uh culture or or anything of that sort there is also that um other side of uh awakeness of people of actually talking about stuff um and we're talking about anything you know uh, and it kind of forces us on these at least the ones that do feel that they they want to evolve and i think that's also one of the reasons of this podcast to take a moment and taking a step back in all the fields of our lives and to kind of um, at least take the time to focus and refocus and think to have a better understanding of what do we want, what do we want to give? What do we want to, um, what do we want to, to, to the, the word in French uh, leg to, uh, um, I don't know what's the word. I don't know why I can't think about it, but like yes, what the type of what what what's their legacy we want to leave to our to our kids or to the to the world or to the future? So I think I think there's there's hope. I would like to think so, because I think that that's the only that's the only way we should we should have uh, we should think about it to if we want to our kids to have a, a better life, we have to keep focusing on that uh, little glimpse of hope. That's it. No, I, that's it. I mean, you know, that's that's why we're here to talk about that part of it. You know, it's it's sort of a, it's a. We can talk about our own stories and our own journeys, but it really is a part. You know, I think when you're talking about being a parent, you're talking about sort of um, not not handing over the reins, but you're you're guiding and shepherding yep. a, your your kids so that they live 
you know, better than you did. And uh, not that I've lived badly, but uh, that there's a better way. There's a better way forward. There's a different way, you know, than, than has been done in the past. While at the same time saying like, hey, this, you know, there are certain things of value that, that you want to pass on, that you want to continue. And I find that those two things, again, there's no manual necessarily for differentiating between the two. You know, there's there are lessons that I've learned from my parents that I like. I, I have to pass on to my kids. You know, um, that I want. I think for them to be good people, they have to carry the, those with them. And yet, there are parts of like this sort of new way of looking things that I I feel like I'm completely um, like unqualified to even <laughs> to even like bring it up. You know. And they'll say this. They'll say that about the music that I make too. They'll be like, "What that was, you know? What's that six-string instrument in your hand? You know, what is what, what's what's that even for? You know, it goes down even to the, the what we play and how we play it. And and uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that's where you have to sort of take yourself out of, you know, classifying or you know, categorizing yourself as a part of a sort of facet of society or one one group or this group i'm you know i'm a person just like you are and i'm just living my life as best as i can you know and i, I don't often think about sort of what what part of the collective pie chart do i represent you know and how should how does that inform my my life and the way i make decisions and you know um maybe i should think about it more i don't know <laughs> i'm sure yeah no i think you're thoughtful enough this is uh this is great stuff, actually. We actually I could talk to you in ten different directions on that kind of thing. But uh, one more thing about the music, if you don't mind, uh, and then we'll get off the music and slowly wind things <laughs> down. But uh, I've been a fan. Well, I knew you as a very young person, right? I think I knew you when you were friends with my next door neighbor. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Uh, Merits. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've been a fan since he came out with this uh, "Brother Down" song, and we were born in a flame. I think that was two thousand three. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's one thing that's always really bothered me, and, and you probably deal with it much better than I do, is that the U.S. market hasn't embraced you on a large scale, especially given, again, I'm biased, but given how great your music is and, and how many awards you've racked up here in Canada, can you explain why? Any any reasoning why the U.S. market just embraces a lot of garbage and, and <laughs> stuff like you? When I saw you, I saw you in New York's. <laughs> I saw you in New York City. Yeah, I think it up. I mean, we all go down there talking like that, and then there we we wonder why they just you know yeah. send us pack back over the border. You know? Like you guys look like garbage, so, you know. Maybe it's our attitude. I don't know. Yeah, but uh... yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I I I, I think there. You know, we we've we've thought so much about the re- because you know. It's it's almost like you have to understand it in order to in order to overcome it. Uh, so over the years, we've we've had many, uh, you know, a think tank, late night drink tank, <laughs> uh, you know, brainstorming session about why why it hasn't happened up until this point, and and then you know how do we change that going forward? And you know, without fail, every record we make, we're like, this is the one, there's no way they're not going to listen to this one, you know, and then, you know, the record comes and goes. And um, I don't know what the answer is. I think there's so many things about, even if I were to start a career over in Canada with the same songs today, um, there's no guarantee that we would find our our way back to this spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Uh, I think it takes a lot of sort of unseen chemistry, uh, you know, things going on out there that, that are beyond our, our control, what people need at that time. And if you happen to provide that thing in that moment, then it creates a chain reaction that you can't plan for. And we had that in Canada, you know, we, it would, it, we took a, a friend of ours took a demo CD from this, uh, we'd been recording in a friend's basement in Pembroke, Ontario, uh, and he took the demo CD and sent it to the radio station in Ottawa. Uh, and for whatever reason, instead of putting it in the bin, which is what happens probably 99.9% of times when people receive unsolicited, unmarked demos, the DJ put it in and played it to, you know, listen to it. And he's like, oh, I like this song. And he put it on the air and started playing it. And then the station across town had received the same demo CD and they also started playing it. And then the two stations started competed, uh, competing with each other, playing the song. And it just sort of grew out of that. Now, if I tried to, if I tried to do the same thing and I went to two American cities and tried to play that <laughs> same, you know, thing off of each other, there's no way that that would happen. So for all the, for all the effort that we put into making the music and, you know, I guess you, you feel like you deserve the opportunity. The actual opportunity itself was born just as much out of sort of chance and chaos as, as anything. And you, I think short of being a really big commercial superstar uh, with a kind of style of music and persona that you can just sort of stamp from one country to the other uh you kind of we we'd need the same kind of that same sort of good fortune that we had in canada and not just the u.s but every other country in the world well i was going to say are there any countries Uh, uh, any else anywhere else in the world where you have enjoyed particular success Spain was okay. uh, really good to us. They like nice. rock and roll bands, which I always love them for. You know, we've had, uh, it's one of the other countries that we've, uh, you know, had really good tours in and, and enjoyed a, a great connection with people. Uh, and again, you know, in the States, the States is a huge place. I think in Canada, we, we think big in terms of geography, but not in terms of population. Whereas in the States, we play shows that are just as big as some of the shows that we play in Canada. It's just that, mm-hmm. you know, there can we don't go to the southeast of the U.S. and do particularly well. We don't play much in the Midwest, but you know, uh, if we're kind of in the Northeast, it feels more like being at home. And uh, so you kind of have to divide and conquer a little bit and focus your energy on on certain places. So. Okay. Switching to the uh, raison d'être of uh, our podcast, um, do you have any guiding principles or philosophies when it comes to parenting? Uh, I think we touched on a lot of them earlier on um, that, you know, happy to sort of come back to because I think that, you know, we we talked about the violin or or soccer practice, but I feel like embedded in those things are uh, a lot of the things that I took from my parents. My my parents raised four boys and we we all turned out all right. and, uh, (laughs) And now I wonder how they did it. You know, at the time we just took it for granted. But uh, they were they were sort of dedicated to. I, I haven't tried to dissect the way my parents raised us too much, but I, I would say that they're um, they dedicated themselves to their to their kids 
almost completely, you know, uh, while still again, holding up a job and working life and all of that. And, and I feel like that to me is, uh, is what it takes. And you, you realize that it's, it's like a vote as much as it's a sort of biological imperative to mm -hmm. be a parent, there's also a sort of vocational part to it, you know? Uh, and I think you have to embrace that. Don't just rely on this sort of feeling of love that you have for this, you know, beautiful creature that you've created with your better half, you know, uh, you, you have to sort of see it as this, um, something that you have to keep growing into and pushing yourself and, and figuring it out Absolutely. and never stop asking questions. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of learned that from, thinking about back to my own childhood and how my parents and you talked raised myself and my brothers you spoke you know? about uh, also just knowing how to when to step on the gas and when to sort of lay off it with your kid right that's another that seemed to be a common yeah approach someone else mentioned yeah. that a few episodes ago as well so it's a good thing for dads out there just you know don't be such a hard driver and don't be so lax just find mm -hmm. a ways to yeah. <laughs> it's that <laughs> it's like you know that the point on the clutch where it's just you're you're you know, right in between the two things. And, and, uh, it's, 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 you know, you got to use a dad metaphor for, uh, or simile for everybody. So we'll talk about, we can talk about clutches and lawnmowers if you <laughs> want, we can find some, uh, ways of describing this feeling to the dads out there listening. But, uh, I, I do find that it is the, uh, it's just, it's where, where I, I have tried my hardest to figure out where that point is, that sort of, uh, sweet spot in between the two things and again get it wrong just as much if not more than getting it right but you know you don't stop trying there because that 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 i think is highly beneficial to your kids when you do do that right that's where you're going to sort of send them off in the right direction i love uh, i love what you said uh, what you're saying and i i especially love the the fact that you you know as a dad you have to embrace your role but you also have to make sure to to give it your best ultimately and always like like anything else we would teach our kids or anything else we were taught you like in your music like in sports like in anything else you have to keep practicing you have to keep you have to get uh the, the, the any type of knowledge you can get to get better at it right every day it's uh it's a different it's a different battle and it's a different uh it's a different mindset to evolve I got uh, <laughs> I got to go with uh, the metaphor you said about the dad metaphor about stepping on the gas and all that. I will go with the uh, little used Warren G metaphor where you got to learn to regulate. <laughs> right? so that's, that's for some of the cooler dads out there. Just regulate. <laughs> how you 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 talked a bit about it earlier, but how did you evolve as a dad over the years? Uh Well, again, I think trial and error as well. And it's funny, I've realized too that we've talked about dads and parents, or whatever, but we haven't talked about our wives and how. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you know how 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 that part of it is is obviously that relationship is so essential to uh, your success or failure as a as a parent. It doesn't mean that you you know if you uh, it's just great. It, you, you you're stronger as two than you are. You know, as two people, as two individuals, sort of working mm -hmm. uh, with your own agendas, and uh, how did your wife? Think, how did your wife made you a better dad? Uh, well, I, again, I I think it, it's 
when you feel your own energy waning and then you look at your wife and you realize that she's still got a almost full tank of gas for doing the same job, uh, then you, you, you realize that maybe your tank wasn't quite as empty and you got to stop complaining and just keep going and put, you know, so, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the times it's not sort of anything. It's just leading by example, you know, it's like a good captain of a hockey team. Mm. Um, you don't have to necessarily say much in the locker room, but you go out there and see, I'm getting up, coming back to the dad metaphor. <laughs> and you, Make sure everybody catches my drift out there. But, you definitely, as a dad, you, you, know, you don't want to get swept like the Canadians will be tonight. Oh, no, 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 guys, please, please. No bad energy here. It's all over. Oh, no, absolutely. Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the evolution that you speak of comes, again, from a, a great deal of trial and error. Um, and uh, some of it, after a while, starts to feel like second nature, you know? Being, being calm when you maybe before would have been a, ba a bag of nerves and stressed out about it, realizing that there's not, it's not always in anybody's best interest that you take everything to the absolute, you know, <laughs> limit all the time and that you just have to learn to sort of step back and, and, and sometimes be the, the sort of the, the peacemaker. I don't I think that's sort of counter a lot of times to the way dads traditionally have been sort of, we're, we're again sort of seen as the enforcers and the whatever but it, I, I think if you can be that person who has the calm head when everybody else is losing theirs uh that's a role that i can't say i get it right every time but i'm trying more and more mm -hmm. to be that person in those situations and um yeah what uh what resources have have you found useful to keep yourself going as a dad or or as a person we're talking, or have you read, uh, yeah, uh, read actual books? And yeah, I'm not a big reader of, uh, of sort of, uh, I did read what to expect when you're expecting, uh, you know, 15 years nice. ago, uh, cover to cover for sure. But, uh, I haven't picked up a sort of help book of, I, I look to, or maybe listen to something. Yeah. Even then, no, <laughs> uh, I, I try to, again, I, I listen to my wife uh, <laughs> and except, and, except about, oh, sorry, except our podcast, obviously. Yeah. Now, now I'm a devotee of this podcast for sure, but you know, and, and just not being afraid to watch, you know, look at other other parents out there and how they deal with it. And sometimes you, you can learn the right way and you can learn the wrong way. But if you see somebody doing it right, don't, you know, you got to kind of put your own ego aside and, and realize that, oh yeah, there's a there's another way. There's a there's a better way. And how do you even deal with the normie dads so as you're making uh we talked a bit of in the pre-podcast uh making sort of you know new connections through your kids sports or whatever mm. and you talk to a dad who's a an accountant uh can you i mean i guess you have to relate through your kids but i don't know you, and, 100 percent. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah no it's 100 sorry to interrupt it's 100 percent through what your kids are doing <laughs> like my soccer dad friends we talk soccer like an unbelievable amount of, like, I didn't know that you could talk about youth soccer that much for that many hours. And if I can't now, like hundreds and hundreds of hours that we've spent together, uh, literally only talking about soccer. So I find it's very important to keep your conversation, like never waver into politics. Don't talk about music. I don't want to know what kind of music they listen okay. to. Because <laughs> if they come back and they're like, oh yeah, I'm really into this band or that band. I'm like, well now we can't hang out anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So you gotta, you just gotta keep it super tight on what, why you're there. So soccer, soccer talk. Nice. Only. Okay. Uh, so last question for today, and we're gonna ask you if there's anything else you want to cover that you haven't, or anything you want to promote that you like, where people can find you. Uh, anything you want to plug? No. Okay. <laughs> How about, how about the I Sam mean, Roberts band on Facebook? That's it. Just, no, I haven't been on that in, I don't know, a long okay. time. But, uh, you know, it's there. It does exist for sure. You know, always happy when people, you know, who may not know about the music go and, and uh, discover it for themselves. And I won't paint any pictures for you. You just, uh, you know, hopefully you find it and connect with it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to some uh, some uh, teens influencers. I know we hate the word, but, uh, and they'll plug the, on TikTok your, your, your songs and uh, they'll be, yeah. <laughs> be back on top. We need it. That is what we need for sure. Then my kids will think I'm cool. Yes, right. Is, I'm still just inching my way towards that objective. <laughs> we'll make it happen. TikTok all the way. <laughs> uh, Sam, I think we're good. Uh, I really appreciate. It. We've gone a bit even over your time. I think we probably get promised you uh, under an hour, but uh, this is awesome. Thanks so much. No, I, the time flew by for sure, and uh, I'm happy to say that I'm actually going to rehearsal right now, which is a sign that uh, life is returning to normal. And, oh, nice. Uh, to playing some music with the guys and getting back out there again amazing sam it's been uh, truly an honor uh to you i love the energy i love the i love the flow of that conversation and uh if uh I, i'm all in for beers or water or <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much sam you guys nice to see you both okay that's it for today's episode Hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned a little something too. Jeff, how can people find us? You can head to evolvingdads.com. You can also hit the support us tab and buy us a cup of coffee. Or two, catch all our episodes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews really help us reach a bigger audience. Yeah, that would be helpful. Very helpful, everyone. And one more thing, you can also follow us at Evolving Dads on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Da, 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 da.